Welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of The Great Sources. To everyone who's listening, watching this on YouTube, there was a previous video of this year, which I took down and replaced with this one. In case you saw that one, don't be confused. <coughs> this is the same shear with some modifications. To those of you who are listening on the podcast, I want to remind you that these shearum are available on YouTube also. The link to that is posted in the description of the podcast. And in the description of the YouTube, there's a link to the podcast if you want to find more shearum there. Everything's there. Also, a reminder to everyone, thank you to all the people who have rated and reviewed, and a reminder to those who haven't, please do so. I think you can only do that from Apple Podcasts, so don't bother otherwise, but if you can do that from Apple, it is very beneficial. It makes it go up in the ratings and make, gives the podcast more exposure and helps it bring it to the people who can benefit from it, and there are many. So please go ahead and do that. Today's shear is sponsored by very special people, Dr. and Mrs. Benzie and Jacobs, wonderful people who I have this host to be friends with. They are sponsoring today's show, Ilu Nishmas, Mrs. Jacob's father, Rabbi Rami Sochar Kirkowski, who was a Lelava Einikel and a Radomska Chassid. He survived seven concentration camps, including Auschwitz. Mr. Kirkowski risked his life baking matzis in the Matthausen concentration camp and was actually Niftar on the first day of Pesach ten years ago. He published the Sefer Becha Shleimah, which contains Chadusha Torah from the pre-war Radomska Yeshivas, and he wrote the very popular and really fascinating Holocaust memoir called Counterfeit Lives. It's a great read. He had tremendous Abbas Eretzisrael his whole life. May this shir be a schus for his neshama. Thank you very much. Okay, last week we spoke about whether Bizman Hazeh, we were on the base of Mikdash and there's no in Eretzisrael, are there mitzvahs to living in Eretz Yisrael? In other words, specifically, we focus on the Gemara that says one should live in Eretz Yisrael because living in Eretz Yisrael is like you have a God, and if you live outside of Eretz Yisrael, it's like you don't have a God. And we were pursuing that, questioning that: Can that be said when there is no gilush um, in Eretz Yisrael, anyways? And how would the Gemara know that, given that the sources, in other words, the the Bukharis that say things about Eretz Yisrael, are said in, in the Tyrum? When there was Gilashkina. So we discussed that at length and we spoke about the fact that even if Eretz Yisrael doesn't have supply, the same connection to Hashem, that it's applied back when there was Nevoa and Gilashkina, the fact that it's the place where there once was that connection to Hashem, and the fact that the place where eventually it will once again afford us that kind of connection to Hashem, that itself gives us, does something for our psyche when we're there. And this is really explaining what it says in the end of the Sefer Kuzri, why the Chavar says he's going to go there, even though there's no apparent, no Shekhin Agluya in Soil, he says it's still a place that, since it's dedicated to Hashem, it makes a person be in a pure state of mind, and Kavano Tahir, Lev Tahir, etc., etc., as we discussed last week. So that means, what we, the, the, the point was that, although what is said about Eretz Yisrael, in its absolute form, in other words, the Mindless of Yisrael in their perfect form were said in a specific place and time and circumstances. They still are relevant even when those things don't hold. Why? Because Yisrael is special because of those reasons that has an effect on a person's relationship to Hashem. And the way we relate to Hashem today when we don't have Gidushchina is through connecting to the 
past, the way there was Gilashina, and then thereby also reminding ourselves that there's a future Gilashina which we are attempting to get back to. That's what we spoke about last week. Um, but there's something that I really have to clarify, and that will bring us into today's discussion. That whole discussion was, given that we don't have given that we don't have Besam Mikdash, Nevuah, etc., is there a Maile in Eretz Yisrael? And, and why, do we, why are we asking that question? Because we're trying to focus on the question of should we move to Eretz Yisrael? And so what we spoke about was, yes, there is a Maile in Eretz Yisrael, despite the fact that technically, technically, even if you're in Eretz Yisrael, you don't have God as, in the sense that the Gemara means, as we discussed at length last week, what exactly that means. Still, the fact that Eretz Yisrael is the place for having an Aloika is a reason why one should live there at all times. But the truth is that's really half the story. In other words, that's only a bedieven. What we really want, the lechatchilo, what we're really looking for in returning to Yisrael, is to return to Yisrael and get back the same mile of Yisrael that there was back when there was Gilushchina and there was Nebu and there was Beis HaMikdash. So it's very important that when we, when we consider the question, should we go back to Yisrael, there's really two questions. One question is, should we all go back to Yisrael and thereby affect Geula? That's actually, that's one question. And then there's another question. Well, what if we're not all going back? Should individuals still go back for some personal connection? And that's what we spoke about last week, that even if the masses are not going to return, and even if we're not going to get back to our original glorious state and our original connection to Hashem. Individuals should still go because that's all is the place for that connection to Hashem. And that's the end of the book of the Kuzri where the Chavar, who's having a conversation with the Kuzri king, says, I'm going back to Yisrael. I'm going back to Yisrael because... And the king says, then why are you going back to Yisrael? What is there now for you? And he explains, no, that's how I connect to Hashem, as we discussed last week. But there's also another passage in the Kuzri, which we spoke about in the first year of the series, where the king says to the Chavar, and this is in, your, in the source sheets, it's the first one there, the king says to the Chavar, if Yisrael is so important, how come you as the people aren't going back to Yisrael? You, how come you're not going back all of you together? And the Chavar says to him, you got me. That is truly a sin, a stain on the nation. And in fact, had the nation gone back to Yitzhak, all of us en masse, back in the days of Bayez Shani, after 70 years of Golis Bavel, then the Shekhinah would have returned. And he continues and says that the Dabar Alaki, our connection to Hashem, is ready to and available for us as a people to the degree that we prepare ourselves for it. And if we would, he continues and says, if we would prepare ourselves to meet the God of our fathers, with Kavanah Tahira, then he would help us like he helped our fathers in Mitzrayim. Which he means to say is that the Geula, the same day there was a Geula in Mitzrayim, there could be a Geula today too. We're not waiting for anything. It's waiting for us as a people to prepare ourselves to meet Hashem the Kavanah Tahira. So what that means is in the Kuzri, there's Tzvei Dinim. There's two parashas in the Kuzri, in the Sefer Kuzri, and they're both 100% true. One parasha is that Geula depends on us preparing to meet Hashem, Okay, and that's very important now. <laughs> well, that's very important. What does it mean? How, what are we supposed to do? And this is something we're going to talk about, hopefully, uh, at one point. Okay, we have to understand that. But, as you saw, is at the center of that, right? Because 
the conversation between the king and the chaver, and, and, and this is in Maimur Bey's Simon Chav Dalit in the Kursi, is the king says to the chaver, if I had soul is, is at the center of your whole spirituality, then how come you're not all going back? And the chaver's answer is, you're right, you got me. If we would all go back, the Shina would return, because the Shina is willing to come to us to the extent that we prepare to meet it, the Kavanah Tahir. So, he's talking about going back to Hetzal in a spiritual way, in a way of going to meet our God once again, so to speak. So, and I say so to speak, meaning we have to, we have to manage to define exactly what that means. It becomes really important, obviously. <laughs> Practical importance, of course. So, like everything, that's important. So now, so now the point is like this, that last week we spoke about the end of the Kuzvi, and, and the Kuzvi is a sort of, is a history book. In other words, there's a conversation with the king, between the Chavar and the king, and the Chavar tells the king how we should all, he admits to the king, you're right, we should all be going to Israel, but alas and alack, we're not. And then at the end of the book, and he explains why we should all go back, because then the Shkina would return, basically. And then at the end of the book, the Chavar says, I'm off. I'm off. I'm going to cancel. That's as an individual. So as an individual, the king says, well, why are you going as an individual? What's there for you? What's there for you as an individual? And the answer to that is, I mean, what's there for the individual? Meaning, if it's not the whole Tzibor, the Shekinah is not coming back. You're not affecting Geula. You're not affecting Geula, then why go back? So that's what the cover says. No, no, no. There's a, a connection to the land. It's our... It's our it's our um, past, it's our glorious past, it's the place of our glorious future, and therefore it's a place that inspires Lev Tahar and Kavanah Tahar. Ayin Sham, Ayin last week's share to understand that better. But that's all the Bidyevin. In other words, that's all the question given that the Tzibur is not going, should Yechidim go? But where we're focusing on, should the Tzibur go? And for the Tzibur to go, the answer is um, on these terms, and we have a lot still more to talk about in the series, but on, on these terms, the answers are resounding yes. As the Kuzvi puts it, if we do go back, then we are preparing to meet Hashem. And that leads us to the question, okay, so that's something, a summary of last week's, that's a review, not a summary, but a review of last week's discussion, plus a very important modification to the discussion, and a very important point, which I perhaps should have clarified last week, that that whole conversation was approaching things from a certain angle, again, from the angle of having Yetzal without having Geula. But the real question is, should we go back to Yetzal and, and would that be part of a process of Geula? Or are we thereby affecting Geula in some way, etc.? And the answer to that based on the Kuzri is yes. Now, of course, that means going back to Yetzal, like I said, in the right way and having Yetzal at the center of your Judaism and somehow making you a better person and, and a complete person. And uh, we spoke about that too, where the sources are for that. In season one, we met, we spoke about that why it's all is the center of everything, but that's something we're going to go get back to there in this series also at the end, perhaps even before that, understanding what it's all about and how it can anchor your whole spiritual self. So, this brings us to today's discussion, which is the following. Wait, we're supposed to go back to Yisrael and, and, and meet Hashem. Aren't we supposed to wait for Geula? Is, is Geula something that we're supposed to bring about. Now, of course, we're supposed to better ourselves, we're supposed to true and but are we supposed to go ahead and, and prepare ourselves to be redeemed? I thought we're supposed to just better ourselves till Hashem 
swoops down, as it's, so to speak, and redeems us. We're supposed to be waiting. And here, you're saying, I'm saying, that, and which is Betsam echoing what Yehuda Levi is saying, that we're supposed to embrace Eretz Yisrael and flock back to it and thereby bring about this meeting between us and Hashem. But what about this idea of waiting for Gula? Isn't that a thing? How are we supposed to wait passively? <laughs> so, the answer, in my opinion, is no. Uh, I don't believe there's such, a, there's such an idea anywhere. And what we're going to do today is go through the Sefer, the Yomayishan, the Satmar Rebbe and who actually develops a sheet. He believes that, that there, he, he believes that there are sources, that, that one is Dafka supposed to wait, that we're supposed to have an attitude of waiting for the Gula specifically, waiting for a couple of things, waiting for Tshuva, waiting for Mashiach, waiting for Hashem to do something, Different th- um, three different points there in the Sefer. Um, and what we're going to do is like this. So he basically developed a full theory of this, a full sheet of, of this idea that waiting for the, the Iker of Mashiach, which is one of the Yudgim that Mashiach is going to redeem us, necessitates that we should be in a state of passivity <laughs> regarding redemption. That's, that's in a nutshell, this theory. Um, Viola Maish, as we've discussed, is a very, very important sefer when it comes to the question of Eretz because he wrote a sefer basically to, to argue against against um, returning to Eretz as being an ideal for the masses. That's in a nutshell what this shita is for various reasons. And we spoke a lot about the Shavuos, and we spoke, and and then there's also the sefer called the Shiva says. So what we're focusing on today is all from the Maimar Shal Why? Because what happened is like this. As we discussed, we have to come about the Shal which, which I believe, as 100% means it's a matter of danger, as we've discussed at length in the Shurim about the oaths. But the Samarev understood that the Gemaras are telling us a, a, an Isra Bein Adam Lashamayim. The Shal reflect the fact that there's a tremendous sin of, not of endangering Jews, but a sin to heaven, a sin between us and Hashem, if we, if we do uh, messianic activities or try to hasten the redemption ourselves. So then he says, well, why? What's the problem? What's, what's the great Avera, basically? Where is this coming from? So he develops this whole theory that it's Kfira and it's Minos, because taking, taking matters into our own hand, um, a redemptive kind of matters, which is a very broad umbrella term, and that's what we'll get to that, what exactly is included in that, in the Shita, and why. Um, but anyway, so doing redemptive activities on our own, or messianic activities on our own, puts us in conflict or in contradiction with the 13th, um, the, 13th the, the, the Iker of, of B'Yesa Mashiach, which is one of the Yud Gimel Ikrim, that we have to believe and hope and wait for the messianic redemption. And, and he's going to say that, that when we do these certain kinds of activities, that is a way of undermining or indicating a a lack of belief or um, taking steps in contradiction, it's a little bit vague, we'll get to that, against that principle of faith, and therefore that's why it's such a terrible sin. And so what I'm going to do is like this. So now, by the way, so again, he developed this theory to, well, I don't know if this is why he developed it, but he developed it as an explanation of the severity of the Shavuos. Now, that is incorrect. The Shavuos are about Sakana. Okay. But the points that he makes, that there's an element of kfira and minos in 
messianic kind of activities, including returning, the, including the masses, um, returning in unison to Eretz Yisrael, that he also brings other eyes to that point. Not just that's not merely supported based on being the exposition of the Shavuos, but he actually brings other sources for that. And what I want to do is today is like this. What I want to do is go through all the sources that he brings, and. And we'll see. We'll see if the sources actually are, in any sense, compelling to develop this idea. Um, in other words, does the Amunah and Biyas HaMashiach, as it's laid out in the Tzav and Perak Lamed, where it says that eventually Hashem is going to redeem us, and as the Rambam says, that there's a belief that it's going to be through a Messianic king from David, is that something which necessitates some kind of, any certain kinds of stance vis-a-vis -vis redemption, and therefore, and therefore, does that preclude some kinds of human kind of activity? So again, I'm going to go through his sources one by one at a time, and we're going to see what, whether there's actually a, a basis for this idea. I'm going to go through the sources, and I'm going to comment on them briefly, each one, what I believe about that source, and then I'm going to try to give you a sense altogether what his Shita is, how, what his whole system of thinking about this is, and um, what I believe about it. So, I want to tell you just, you know, it's, it's interesting because in the Maimah Shalashvu, it's actually, that's, that's where the sources are, in the and it's really not so easy because what happens is he goes around and around. In other words, he doesn't really line up, here's my five or ten sources, and, and here's why. He references it, and then he goes back to it. So it's really not so easy to find out, okay, like, what exactly, where exactly does he see this in the Torah and Chazal? So I went through the Sefer numerous times, and I'm going to try to, I hope I haven't missed anything. I don't think I missed any, okay, I, I could say I'm, I'm, I am very confident that I haven't missed any important source for this. But like I said, it doesn't line it up, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, here on my Rias, it's more like going around and around, and I did go through the Sefer numerous times. To, in fact, one of the reasons why I went through numerous times was because I was looking for this. Like, what exactly is this source? Because he references it sometimes as if he proved it already, and, and I was like, he didn't really, I didn't think he proved it. So I went through it, and I wrote down, here's his riots. Let's go through them one by one, okay? So here I'm in Maim Rishol Shavuos. All the sources today are from Maim Rishol Shavuos. You'll excuse me, on the source sheet, I didn't write up all these sources because there, there's a lot of arichas here. I'm talking about the ones from the Sefer Yomayshah. If you have the Sefer, then, then you can look it up. And it's a really fascinating safer, really interesting things. Although I don't accept his uh, conclusion about the Shashwas, and nor do I accept his conclusion about this too. It's still a really fascinating safer, there's a lot to learn from it. So here we're gonna talk about on on I'm on the Maimishal Shwis uh And there he says the following. He says he brings a medrash or Gemara and a Gemara and a Medrash too, we'll set the Medrash in a minute. He brings a Gemara that says that Kalal Yisrael is supposed to be in Golos and there's a purpose in that. Gemara and Avadizara, that Kalal Yisrael are like the four winds. Just like there's four winds, so too B'nai Yisrael have to be scattered across the world. And I'm going to read it inside. He says, Mavur Mizeh, Sheratzen Habayri Baruch Hu Baruch Shemayhu, L'toyvas Yisrael L'toyvas Ha'olam, you see that in the time of Galos, Chayisro is supposed to be scattered. And they can't all go to Etzisro. So this we spoke about um, 
two weeks ago, I believe, right? That, well, what do you mean by Zman HaGoyla? Zman HaGoyla is a reality. Hashem exiled us by sending a king against us who kicked us out of our land. And then if, if we could go back, then it's not Zman HaGoyla. So the whole thing becomes, um, becomes falls apart. And in other words, basically, it's, it's like a certain way of looking at the Gemara. The Gemara says there's a purpose in class of being scattered. But that's an observation about reality. It doesn't mean... That 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 purpose that that Klyosol has to remain scattered to the extent if we could actually go back and do go back then we'll say okay I guess there's no purpose in us being scattered anymore so it's just a very way of looking at the Gemara and taking it and saying it's static and absolute that that's how I see a lot of what it, the Raya said he does um, that it's not it's it, there's a nuance to this that that I don't think he's accounting for okay then he brings um, a, a ton of the Belio this is also there in Simon Yudches that says. Um, HaKadosh Baruch Hu scattered clients all around the world and it brings a mushal. If you have a homeowner who puts his kalim into a certain house, when he comes back home, he knows where his kalim are and he's going to go pick them up. So to Hashem is going, Hashem knows where he put his people and he's going to bring them back. So he says, you see from this, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Balabayas. He knows where to put his people. And when the time of the Gula comes, Hashem is going to collect them. Hu v'loi acher. Hu v'loi acher. Him and no one else, and we see from this that only Hashem can do it. And then he brings another magician. and this is something he references a lot. In Pashas Hashem said to Avram, Yedaya Teida Baritz So the magician says, Yedaya Shani Mefazram. Teida Shani Mechansam. You should know that I'm going to scatter them, and you should know that I'm going to bring them back. Yedaya Shani Meshabedam. Teida Shani Goyalam. Says the Rebbe, Oh, so you see from here, Yedaya Teida. One must know that only HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who's going to scatter us, and only He is going to bring us back together, and no one but Him has any wishes to mix into this. Okay, so here's a big theme, that only Hashem could do Geula. Now, uh, so I have a lot of questions on this. There's a few different questions here. He says, only Hashem could do Geula. Why? Because the Medrash says, I scattered them and I will bring them back. Now again, I say, how did Hashem scatter us? How did Hashem scatter us? Hashem did not come down from heaven and pick up the Jews one at a time and carry them out of it. So he, he sent, he allowed, whatever you want to call it, whatever your theology you want to say, Nebuchadnezzar to come and wage war and be victorious. And that's how he scattered us. So then what does it mean for Hashem to gather us back? It means to allow for nature, in, in, in nature, for us to be inspired to go back or even to be allowed to go back. And in general... So I don't even see where he sees this idea that this is going to be this super divine kind of intervention that doesn't involve humans. Because in general, whenever you say Hashem does something, first of all, first of all, you have to say, what do you mean, simply in terms of terminology, when we say Hashem is doing something, but what exactly do we mean by that? Um, and that's just in general, like in terms of Pirish HaPesukim and Tanakh, when we say Hashem did it, what exactly do we mean? And if there's some sort of theology about there's something that Hashem does directly and something that He does like a malachim or a day shaliach or a day teva or whatever that is such a soid how, how to determine that Hashem is doing something because of course it doesn't mean that Hashem is going to touch something or Hashem is going right, Hashem is not a goth. So it's soid is atayr to talk about that oh, there's something that Hashem does like a day or a day acher. It's soid is atayr, literally. So to use that and define what kinds of mice that precludes and what kinds it doesn't? I just I just don't know what the what the theory is behind. I don't know what the theology is behind that. The philosophy, almost whatever. I don't know what that is. 
And again, but again, I reiterate the point that um, the same message that says Hashem himself will bring us back says, well, it doesn't even say Hashem himself, but it says, which the Satmar Rebbe reads somehow, and I don't even see that, that the message is saying Hashem himself will do it, but it also says Hashem himself will scatter them, which, is, which was no super special divine intervention, except that it was actually, except that it was natural, like, like everything else Hashem does is through, through nature. So I don't know what that means. And secondly, and here's a very, very important point, which is a, a, a criti criticism of a lot of what he says. So he has this idea that Yudhartate only Hashem could do that, could do Gula. So I have a question about this. Um, and, and, and this is a question about Mashiach too. In other words, he says, well, there's a prediction about Mashiach, only Mashiach could do it, etc., etc. Now, if you know your history, Tanakh ended, in other words, the Nevi'im ended, the beginning of Bayashani. I'm sorry, the, right at the end of Bayashani. Um, at the beginning of Ayashani. So, at that point, it was already said that Mashiach is going to bring us back. In fact, it was said in Pashas Nitzavim, said in Pashas Balak, that Mashiach is going to bring us back. Then what happened after that was said, that Mashiach is going to be the Redeemer. We went to Babel. 70 years later, we came back. We built the Ayashani to sit for 420 years, and then we were exiled again. So, if there's this rule that only Mashiach could do it, only Hashem could do it, then how are we allowed to come back and do Bayashemi? At that point, it was already said that it's going to be Mashiach or Hashem. How are we allowed to go and do that? And, and what I mean to say is like this. Even if there's this idea that, that Geula is going to be by Hashem or by Mashiach, that doesn't mean we can't do what we can. Meanwhile, maybe Hashem will complete it. Maybe Mashiach will complete it. Maybe we'll go back there to all of us and maybe we'll be kicked out again. Maybe we'll go back and we'll have Gidosh and we'll be kicked again. Who knows? How do we know? Same way in Bayashani they went back and they didn't say, well, we can't go back because Mashiach supposed to do it. We do what we can. It wasn't a steer to Mashiach to go back in Bayashani because it turns out the Mashiach wasn't coming. Turns out we'll have whatever we have in Bayashani. Wonderful bias. Torah, Mashunadik, amazing. Ruch HaKadosh, whatever there was in Bayashani, Basko. And it doesn't mean we're precluding Mashiach because say that we're going to be here 420 years and then we'll be gone for 2,000 years. So if we can go back to Israel and build a bias Shlishi or another bias, you know, call it whatever you want. And we're still alive for Mashiach. Why? Because maybe we'll be out of there for another thousand years. Then Mashiach comes. Who knows? How do we know the future? How and, 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 and that we're able to know that, hey, if right now, if we go back to Israel, we're going to be, uh, we're going to conflict with Mashiach. I don't see that. Same way in Bayashini they weren't. And if there's this idea that Hashem has to do it, well, in Bayashini they did it. So the Sabarov says in another place, and this, he has to say this, he has to say, he says a shocking thing. This is in um, in Ayin He says, in the original Geulis, everything that they did was Because even in the days of Ezra, where there was no revelation like there was in Mitzrayim by Moshe Aaron, still they also ziz kol They didn't take one movement. They didn't move at all. Ziz kol They didn't move at all without nevuah Like it says in the pesukim, every single movement. Motion was So what's he saying? He's saying, look, he's saying, no, 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 redemption can't happen by man. And if and I they went to buy a Shani, there was no Mashiach, there was no Mashiach, there was no Nisim Gloom. Yeah, but we're in a VM, and they didn't take one step without Nevurk and Mavurk Bhaksuvim. Now I don't think it's Mavur Bhaksum, I think it's Mavur Bhaksum. The opposite. Because if you look in the beginning of Nehemia, and this is the story sheet, the first two Prakim and Nehemia, Nehemia is in in Golas, I think it was in Shushan, and have it right in front of me. And um He's in the king's court, and he hears about the dire states in, in Yerushalayim, and he's very upset about it, and he damns to Hashem. And, okay, Hashem doesn't answer him, there's no, there's no Nebuah there. 
And then he goes into the king, and the king sees he's upset, he's in a bad mood, and he gets really worried because the king sees he's in a bad mood. Maybe the king's going to suspect him or something. And again, he dives to Hashem, and he says to the king, you know what, I want to go back to my brethren in Yehuda and, and help them out because I heard my city, which is my father's, the city that's my uh, ancestors' graves are there. Are, I mean, the city is destroyed, Yushalayim is destroyed, and I want to go help them. And the king says, fine, you can go. It's politics. It's politics. It's pure and simple politics. Nehemiah uses... His, his strategy is positioning the court to get permission to go, the court of the king, he gets permission to go and aid and rebuild Jerusalem. And it's, it's not Nebuah. There's nothing about Nebuah there. And to say they didn't do a thing without Nebuah is, is a shocking thing. To say Nebuah v'ksuvim, it's not. It's Nebuah the hepech and the ksuvim. So you see clearly from Nehemiah, you see clearly the opposite. You see that you're supposed to, that one can certainly try to affect the rebuilding of Yushalayim without Hashem telling you to do so explicitly. So I, I, I Pasha don't know what he means. Um, okay, then he brings another Majish. This is in, in Simon Yotas. So again, you see why he has to say that, because he's developing a whole theory that we can never do anything. Bayashini disproves that. No, says the Rebbe, Bayashini also they didn't take one step without Nebuah, Kim Nebuah B'Ksuvim, the Daiti Tzavuah L'Hepech. In, um, Manor Tzavuah L'Hepech, I don't know what he could mean when he says Kim Nebuah B'Ksuvim. I don't know. It's a shocking statement. In Simon Yotas, he says the following. He says, uh, he brings a medrash. That when Mashiach comes, the people are going to tell Mashiach, how can we be redeemed? Didn't Hashem say that we're going to be exiled in all, in all four corners of the earth, in every single country? Mashiach is going to tell them, yes, but the fact that there was one Jew in this country, one Jew in that country, is considered like you were exiled. Says Zamoreb, you see that... Even when Mashiach arrives, we're going, to be, we're going to be afraid to return. And even though Chazal say the answer to this, which is that it's enough that it's one person in each place, but it's not enough till Hashem tells us that the time arrived. We can know, in other words, given that technically, in reality, there was no Galos, Elamites, Alumdus, that one year in each country is considered like a Galos. So how are we supposed to know up to the until Hashem tells us that? Only a Kosh Baruch Hu could tell us this. Now, this is a shocking thing. Because he seems to be reading this Medrash as saying a literal thing about what has to happen. Hashem has to tell us this, and I don't see this at all. I see this as um, the Medrash is, is capturing a certain idea <clears throat> that people are going to be <clears throat> confused about this. About uh, how do we fulfill the idea of Godless. And there's an answer to it. And that's, that's the Medrash capturing through a conversation. But he seems to be reading that there's a literal... Uh, I don't know, prediction about the future that is going to be this conversation, and therefore we could say, I take from that, that till this conversation happens, we can't do anything, which is just a shocking way to understand the Medrash. Is the Medrash predicting a, a literal Nebuah? It's, it's just really, really Atma, Atma. Okay, now I want to show you other places which are sort of, like I said, he, he goes around and around, and, and here he says like this, he says in Esimen Chav Gimel, he says, what, I, what comes out from Kol HaMakovitz, from everything together, in many places, Mefurish comes out from Chazal, that HaKosh Baruch Hu says, Shebechol Meshech Yimei HaGolos, Ad B'Yes HaMashiach, Yu Yisrael Mefuzan, Bechol Arba Kampazaret. The problem is, I don't know what he's referring to. I don't know where, it's, where is it Yoytze, Behar B'Kom Mefurish. I just don't see that. And then he says like this, he says, those that say, that everyone from B'nai Yisrael, this I quoted I think in the first year, those that say that all Jews from everywhere they live should travel to Yisrael, all these people speak 
Bepemoli, neged kol divri chazasha, bekamim 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 now again, neged kol divri chazal shebekama mekoymis v'shasu b'medrashin. Not that I know of. Bepem only neged kol divri chazal. Now kisvari I don't know, but shasu medrashin I'm quite familiar with, and I don't know what he's talking about. Where in the shasu medrashin can can we see this idea? And like I mentioned, um, <laughs> the kuzri does say this. So how does this comport with the kuzri? That undoubtedly the Rebbe knew. I don't know. Meeting that I would, if only I would understand how Samarebbe made the Shtim with the Kuzri. I have a theory about it, but the Kuzri does say that everyone should go, and Samarebbe says those that say everyone should go are speaking the Pemoli, Neged Kol Debe Chazal, But like I said, I'm looking, I'm, I'm reading his book and looking to see where he sees this, and I, and I just don't, I haven't seen it. But here's something really, really. Um, intriguing, let's say. Something intriguing, because there's another place we talk about, it, and that's in Simon Ein Hey. He says the following, and this is something that is really interesting. He says like this, he brings from the Zayar, that in the last Golos, we're not going to get up on our own, Hashem is going to redeem us. Okay, that's his big idea. Um, here's the thing. V'achoyshev alzeh. Again, I said we have to understand what does it mean on our own, what does it mean Hashem doing something, these One who even considers this, in other words, that we should bring about redemption. das minus. It's a minus kind of opinion. You can see with your own senses, in all the generations. Anyone who went with this idea to take a kingdom or a redemption for themselves before the Messianic, before Mashiach's coming, Nasu Arakach Minim Bapikorsim Lagami, they eventually became Minim Bapikorsim Ki Koyach Haminos Nishrash Because here he's saying something very interesting. He's saying, forget about Rais. He's saying, look, I can point with my own senses, I've seen that all those who who had this idea to take a Mabshal and Lula, Koydum Biasa Mashiach, eventually became Minim Apikorsim because Minos is Nishrash Pazas. That's a very important statement there because there what he's saying is, there what he's saying is, he's saying, look, it's a reality that the two things go together. And this might very well be true. In other words, as an observation of human nature, it might very well be true that those in all the generations who, who went ahead and said, look, we're going to do things on our own, um, they became Minim Apikorsim because it had, it's a Minos kind of idea. So that might be true as an observation, but that's not a substantive proof. In other words, that doesn't prove that there's inherently a contradiction between Bias and Mashiach and us doing things on our own. And I don't believe there is. I, I could accept that as an observation on, on, on human nature in the past diaries, which may or may not hold today. I don't believe it does, and I don't believe the circumstances warrant th that kind of thinking today. But that might be actually what was concerning him. In other words, I hope I'm being clear here. There's one argument to say that inherently there's a contradiction between taking Gula for ourselves and let's say taking the land for ourselves or taking the kingdom for ourselves and waiting for Mashiach. And that is not true. There is no inherent contradiction there. But there might be a practical reality contradiction because those who will get excited about Gula and Mashallah, usually that comes from a lack of Emunah. While those who have Emunah don't get excited about it. Okay. Right, and that might be a big problem. In other words, those who have them, who should still be engaged in it, maybe it's because they don't understand 
Shiach properly. So there might be a correlation, but it's not actually a contradiction. Okay. But that might be really what his issue was, and that's very interesting, and therefore he, he makes this whole argument, but that might be what is really bothering him. Now, here's another few places where he talks about this. This is in um, Simon Ayin Vov. He says, part of the belief in Bias HaMashiach is the belief that it's only going to happen by Hashem. The Kamakroi. I don't know what those Kamakroi are. And Yodayateida, as we said. So therefore what? So therefore if you go ahead and say we could do redemption without... Same way, let's say I say, let's say I say we don't need Mashiach. I don't believe that we need Mashiach. So then you're a Kaifer because, because one of the Yudagamulikim is Bias HaMashiach, who's a Melech from Bezal, a very specific way. So he says, well, if it's a part of that is also that's going to be Hashem. If you think that we don't need that as part of the Geula, then, um, then you're, you're, you're excising that Iker from the Yudagamulikim. So you're a Kaifer. Okay. So again... Again, um, that, that's not, not a meaningful argument because, because one could understand that the full ge'ula, as described in Pashas Nitzavim, is a very specific thing and a, and a most perfect thing, and that requires Mashiach and David. That requires Hashem, whatever that means exactly, if it does mean anything. That doesn't mean that we can't do whatever we can do. And then there's something, like we said about the Bayesheni, for example. Like we said about the Bayashani. By the way, this is something he picks up again. He does this in. Um, this is in Simon Ayin. Tess. He says, everything is Biyadashalakadash Baruchu. All in Yanam of Kheris and Gaul and Kibbutz Golias are only Biyadashalakadash Baruchu. The Shum Bria. You can't do anything. It's a great danger to do anything before Hashem does it. Ide Mashiach Ben David Tzidkoi. So by the way, that's also a question. Is it Hashem doing it himself or is it Mashiach? That to me, I don't, that's a contradiction. I don't understand even what he means. But he says, it has to be Hashem only through Mashiach Medavid. Kemuvan lechol hamabit bedivri chazal. Like it's obvious to anyone who looks in the chazal. So like I said, I look at the chazal and I really, really don't see this. Even though I'm trying very hard to understand the sheet. I really do not see this at all. And without Rias, it's, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. So... Okay, so here's the thing. And then he has another idea. So again, what are we saying here? He's saying, oh, Gula has to happen by Hashem and Mashiach and you can't do otherwise. I think that by Hashem he disproves it. Um, and I think there's something even much deeper here. And, and let's, to get to the next question, next point, I'm going to bring something else he says. Another thing he talks about a lot is that, that Gula is only going to happen with Tshuva. The Tzukim say you're going to do Tshuva. The Tzukim say you're going to do Tshuva and then Hashem is going to bring you back to us. So, so he says, to, so if we're only going to go back to us, so when we all do tshuva, and we didn't all do tshuva, then how could you advocate that everyone should go back to us? So this argument is, is, is very, very weak, and I'll tell you why. Because let's say I say everyone should go back to us. Let's say I'm going to get up on the mountaintop and say, everyone should go back to us. Say, whoa, wait a minute, how could you say everyone should go back to I We're not going to go back to us until we do tshuva. And not everyone did tshuva. So there's two things. First of all, guess what? Not everyone's going to listen to me and go back to Ezra, right? And if they would, if every single last Jew would go back to Ezra, you know why they would come back? Because they're doing tshuva. They're doing tshuva. So why am I responsible not to get up and say, everyone go back to Ezra? Because, because right now we didn't do tshuva yet. I don't understand that at all, at all. Mamish, I don't understand that at all. And, okay, I really just don't see that at all. 
um, the idea that we need tshuva, so therefore, as he says, it's impossible to make a mistake and say that before we did tshuva, we can go back. Even to think that is negative of Urbe which is minus Rahman I'm don't see this. Now, he has a thing about, well, Mashiach has to bring everyone to do tshuva. So again, that's part of the Messianic activity. Now, to me, that's a shocking statement, because if his whole argument is like this, there's things that Mashiach is going to do. What's Mashiach going to do? If you look at Malachim, this is in the source sheet, what's Mashiach going to do? He's going to learn Torah. He's going to get Bnei Yisrael to follow Torah. And he's going to bring Bnei Yisrael back to Israel. So that's what Gaul is, right? And then you say, well, well, we can't do it until Mashiach comes. So part of what Mashiach does is that he makes everyone do tshuva. Otu, should I not make people do tshuva because that's Mashiach's job? Why do I have to wait for Mashiach? Why can't I help Mashiach? Why can't I get it started? And maybe a Mashiach has to complete it. If I want everyone to do tshuva, so, I, so if I get up on a mountain and say, everyone should do tshuva, no, it can't be, because Mashiach is going to make everyone do tshuva. <laughs> what do I know from that? Why am I afraid for that? Secondly, secondly, I could get it started. I could start it. And the person who actually gets everyone to do tshuva, he's Taka Mashiach. If you look at the Rambam of the Anich what it says is, if you have a king from Beis David, and he's doing all these wonderful things, like bringing the people back together to Eretz Yisrael, and getting everyone to do tshuva, if he actually succeeds completely, then he's Mashiach Bevada, if he builds the Besamekdash, etc. We'll look at the Rambam. And if he doesn't, then we say, okay, you know what? He's a good king from Beis David, but he's not Mashiach. So wait a second. He's not Mashiach, and yet, Chas Shalom, he was bringing, doing Kirov. And Chas Shalom, he was bringing people back to Yitzhak. I thought Mashiach has to do that to Terence. Mashiach is not a point in time that's going to, boom, come out of nowhere. It's the, the king from Beis David who actually gets to that level. Oh, that's the one that the Pesukim were talking about. The king who doesn't get to that level, let him do partially. Why is the fact that there's a perfect level, called, which is going to be the Mashiach, the king that the king from his who could do that? And by the way, I refer you to my Shira Mashiach in season one. Um, it was one of the last ones, I don't remember exactly. And you'll understand this even better. Mashiach is the perfect king from David who can put this all together. But that doesn't mean that, that, that there can't be partial attempts at it. And it doesn't mean that people shouldn't try to start the process. It's just a completely baseless idea. It's a baseless idea. And I want to say one more, another point about, about tshuva. Some rabbi says, you know, the psukim say that we're only going to go back to Tzol once we do tshuva. So how could you say that, that we should go back to Tzol we didn't do tshuva? I don't know how he knows we didn't do tshuva. Who says? <laughs> Who says? How do we know? How do we know whether we did tshuva? And, and I want to say even a better argument. Why are we in Golis? We're in Golis because of Avadizor Gila Rashvichos Damim. That's why we're Gila from the. That's why the first Besamekdash was destroyed. Everyone knows the second Besamekdash was destroyed because of Sinaschina, but as we're going to mention later in the Shir, the second Besamekdash was this hiatus, but it wasn't really a full Gula from the, from the Golis Rishon. We're going to get to that soon. So, in other words, what real problem of Klaisol is like, okay, there's a Tanakh, there's what the Torah wants from us, and we didn't live up to it because we did Avadizor Gila Rashvichos Damim. I think we're pretty good. First of all, the Yitzhak Avadizor wheat is toast. The Yitzhak rice is half dead. Nobody does incest anymore. Shvichas Dam, I think, we're also pretty good. So, I want to be a lot of Lepachas and Chayas, at least it's Lima Tzchos, that we are pretty good in Vazogi uh, Lashikas Dam. And therefore, we did the truth that gets to go. In fact, what are we waiting for? They kill the Yitzhak rice, and they kill the Yitzhak Avadizar, and the Yitzhak rice is half dead, and Shvichas Dam is pretty cool. Why are we waiting? Why are we sitting in Gulfs? What's wrong with us? It's actually a very good question. And in fact, what we're going to do, I think we're going to get into this in some shurim, there's really deep stuff in Chazal about understanding what actually Golis is about. But it's actually not about the fact that we're sinners anymore. It's about something else, Legamri. And um, we're going to get to that. We are, I believe that they're going to get to that. But to say, oh, Kaisal didn't true, I don't know 
Who's the judge of Klai Yisrael doing tshuva for Gula? I really don't know. I'm not sure why, how someone could be sure of that. Okay, so basically I'll just read you another mocker where he says, again, he, he says this kind of thing a lot. He says, Mavur, um, let me see if I can find this. Mavur, Zeb Barsh, Leitia Gula, Bias HaMashiach. In, in countless places, and I brought many of them above, um, that there will not be a Geula until B.S. HaMashiach. I Pasha don't see that. I Mamish don't see that. There is one, he says countless places, and he brought many of them, but I went through the same friend. That's it. There's a couple of things, like I said, that's like a shtel on a medrash, a diak in a medrash. That tells us a yisoyed about, about the nature of, 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 of Tzipiyah Legeula. It just it's built on, on on it's not built it's not substantive it's not it's not it's not substantiated the shita so to develop a whole idea of, of a, an amuna kind of idea of what the gather of waiting for Mashiach is all about waiting passively for a figure called Mashiach or for Hashem or for Kaisal to change the etzem um, is 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 really not un, it's just unfounded it's just unfounded there's no there's no there's no good basis for that. There's, by the way, one bad basis for it, another is very weak, which is like this. He brings, he brings from a medrash. The medrash goes like this: that the medrash says in Shirashirim that we can't be doichik the kates and we can't be oil b'chayma. Im kain lama melech. I'm just going to say it without without actually. I'll just tell you the words, and the reason why I'll just tell you the words. I'm not going to read it in a way that you can understand it. You can't be oil b'chayma. Im kain lama melech hamoshiach bal kabetz kolu yoseim shel yisrael. Which he says means like this, and, there's, and I'll explain to you why I read it in that deadpan voice. Um, you can't be oil b'chayma. Im kain lama melech hamashiach b'lekavus gulei yisrael shal yisrael. You can't be oil b'chayma because if you would, then why would you need mashiach together? Which is mamish. Oh, I have to wait for mashiach. I can't do anything to mashiach. The problem is this is a very strange way for a measure to speak. I suspect that there's a toss in 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 the defus over there. It's not the normal way for a measure to speak, like bringing rise from im kain lama melech hamashiach ba. Especially because the Isali of Bechayim has nothing to do with Mashiach, it's even by Mitzrayim, etc., etc., etc. And like I said, you can't build a whole shita of Geder of Geula on a, a Diak and a Medrash. You build it on, on Psukim, build it on Havana and Psukim. You build it on the Sefer of the Kuzi for sure, and on, on all this farm. But, but these kinds of Diukim, to, to build this whole Binyan, it's just, it's just, it's just, I don't see it. I mamish do not see it. So, so in a nutshell, Islam Rebbe develops a whole theory of waiting for Hashem's action, for Messianic action, and for tshuva, which means what he's saying is like this, we're not responsible to affect the good. You know, we're not supposed to bring it out. We're supposed to just wait for this gula. So it's very, very strange because like I said, let's summarize. The sources are very weak. What does he mean by Hashem doing something is very unclear. It's Mamash Saida Torah. What does it mean that because Mashiach is going to do good, therefore we shouldn't engage in the same kind of good? Otto, we shouldn't be Makaraviyadin because Mashiach is going to do that. Shocking thing. Just because we need to do tshuva, who says we haven't done tshuva? And again, let's all go back and that will be the biggest tshuva. And the proof is like this. Like I said, not every Jew is going to go back. And if every Jew would say, you know, I'm going back there, so you know why they would do that? Is because they would actually feel a connection to the root. So, of course, I can get up and talk about it. It's, 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 it's nothing. To say it's our achrayas, to, to figure out how we can leave a job for Mashiach is, is a very strange thing. And the Bayashani actually is a raya 
to this idea that we can do, we should do what we, what we can. And I want to say something really also very interesting that he's very busy with we have to do tshuva. But if you look at Pashat Tzom Perek Lamed, what it says is, the Pesukim say like this, you're going to do tshuva, v'shavta l'shem alekecha, and Hashem is going to be mesh of you and bring you back to his soul. In other words, the Pesukim use this term called tshuva for repentance and for literal return, physical return, which according to Gud Alevi, as we discussed, actually the source of all our distance, psychic distance from Hashem, meaning sin and, and spiritual distance, is based on the fact that we're not there in the land. So the, the return in our minds, the returns in our hearts, is actually goes together with our physical return, such that to argue that, hey, how can you say everyone should go back? They didn't do tshuva. That is actually the tshuva because the return to the land would anchor the whole cult of Kula. Okay, so like I said, Ikuri the Rebbe's real problem is that, that the fact is that it goes along with Minos. Okay, that may be the case. I when analyzing the sources, I want to understand the answer to Arasugya. Now, the thing is like this. Of course, we do have to understand what Mashiach is all about, and to the extent that we can advocate a, 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 a human return to Eretz Yisrael, to that extent we have to say, well, we have to educate people about what Mashiach is doing, because people might think that Mashiach is the one who's taking us back, like literally taking us back, and if we go back and say, well, what's Mashiach? Well, it's a good question, and it forces people to confront and deepen their understanding of Mashiach, but it does not in any way preclude doing the action, the very same actions that Mashiach, the great person, will do. He should be our inspiration. We should all act like Mashiach. We should all be Mashiach. What's the problem? Why shouldn't we start? You know, we just, we, the belief of Mashiach is that there's going to be a perfect gula um, effected by Mashiach and David. No more than that. Not, not, not in any way. That's it. Zehu. And I want to end with one thing. I want to end with the, with the words from the Ar Hashem. Ar Hashem was a Talmud. Kastik Reskis, he was a Talmud of the Ran and the Chavar of the Rivash, the Rebbe of, 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 of the Sivyas of Albo, and, and the Nuki Yosef, so he was quite a person. And he wrote a sefer called Ar Hashem. And in that sefer, he talks about the following question. Why is the second Golas so long, and the first Golas in Bayesvishin is only 70 years? So his answer is that, his answer is that actually we're still in the same Golas. And this is what I referenced before. We're still in the same Golas, because Bayesvishin was only a temporary reprieve that the king, the Persians, let them go back, provided that it's still subject to the Persians. And he says the following. He says, you know what it's like, Bayesvishin? Let's say today the king of Egypt would let us go back to Eretz Yisrael and build the Beis HaMikdash. But we'd still be his subjects. And maybe we try to rebel against him. But, but, um, and then he'll, he'll exile us back from there, etc. That's what the Bayashani was like. But it's never undid the Golas. So basically he just assumes for Abashtas that of course if the king lets you go back to build the Beis HaMikdash, go right ahead. There's no, the mean, the mean, what happened in Bayashini could happen again. And that's certainly the case. And to argue otherwise is, is, is really doesn't have a mucker. So that's, we'll leave it at that. Um, the conclusion is yes, we, we, we have absolutely every business affecting Gaula, not awaiting Gaula. And we have to understand what Gaula is. We really do. Very important. But we'll leave that for now. And next week, what we're going to do is we're going to get to the question of what about all those people who didn't go to Edsel when they could? Like in Bayashani, only the Miat went from Baba. Many people stayed behind. How do we understand that? What is that? What is the meaning of that? And how does that shed light on this tremendous sugya? Once again, everyone, this is available on YouTube too. Again, if you remember, if you're listening on the podcast, and please rate and review. And once again, I'd like to end by thanking Dr. and Mrs. Vincent Jacobs, and once again mentioning that the Shiraz Le'ilu Nishmas, Rav Rami Sacher Krakowski, Zechrena Lebracha, may it be as for his neshama.